Yeah, y'all thought you were getting an easy one, huh? Just sit down. Anytime the Brown Preacher's up, stay up. You know what I'm saying? If you haven't picked that one up yet. If you haven't picked that one up yet. As the hot lights get turned on, because God said, let there be light, and there was light, we're going to read through our portion of Scripture this morning. Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church here, and he says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. Y'all, this is his work. If you're born again, anything, good thing that you want to do to serve one another, it's all his work. What he needs most are willing and available servants, as Sister Carrie would end up saying. And he promises that he will build his church, especially through these giftings. This, verse 13, will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. My goodness, doesn't that sound like today? The only reason that this is so relevant is because the enemy is still trying to deceive, still trying to feed the church half-truths. Church, we're going to go through and we're going to see how these gifted people within the church end up preserving truth through the apostles, the teachers, evangelists, prophets. Verse 15, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Verse 16, he makes everything work together well, perfectly. And if you're wondering if you have a part to play, verse 16, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, that CLB, will be healthy and growing and full of love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. This is your word. God, as a servant of yours, I come to you as a son saying, help me communicate clearly what your son Paul intended for the church to live by. God, we thank you for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. God, help us discover for those who do not know if they're gifted in this way, if they are gifted in this way, and would they end up operating in these gifts to build up your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. So this morning, the apostle gives us a few ingredients of what a spirit-filled church looks like. And without them, Paul says that we're going to be a church that's unhealthy, incomplete, and lacking love. So if we saw ourselves as a baked good, we would be incomplete with these type of ingredients. We want to be a brownie that tastes amazing. If we lack certain things, it will become a brick. And so these unique ingredients, the apostles, the prophets, so on and so forth, are meant for us to be what God intended biblically, and that is a spirit-led church. So let's get into the text and see what that looks like. These are the ingredients, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. You mind turning my mic down a little bit, Mike? I'm really loud. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and 
the teachers. These are five roles that God has given two born-again believers to play within the church. And when I say church, I mean not just on Sundays right here at CLB, but I'm talking about within your households, at your offices, at your workplace, wherever the Spirit of God goes with you as the temple, that is what is intended when this is being written. And you have to be spiritually gifted in these things to be these roles. So for instance, if you're a prophet, you're gifted with the gift of prophecy. If you're a teacher, you're gifted with the spiritual ability of teaching, making the Bible understandable. And so an analogy to share is everyone plays a role on a team, and that's exactly what Paul is trying to communicate. Each one of us has a role. We just need to figure them out and to actually play by them. If you're watching the NBA Finals, anyone? We got two, okay, we got three people who like the NBA. My goodness, I don't to wait till football season to bring up this analogy. You'll end up seeing, especially on the Warriors, there is one dude who's taking majority of shots. That's his role. And when he does that, and there's one distributor of the ball, there's one defender, when they operate well, they're clicking on all cylinders. There's a reason why the Warriors are in the championship. And dare I say, because I'm from the Bay Area, California, we will persevere past game one, and we will win game seven. <laughs> If that's the rowdiest I get this morning, you guys got to rebuke me. So let's go this, through this specific list of ingredients of what makes a spirit-filled church. And as we get to the end of the passage, you'll see what this is intended for. So just off Jump Street, you're probably thinking, okay, I've read my Bible. This is just a short list of spiritual gifts and people who actually possess them. Yes, they are. But as we read through, I want you to have the mindset. Paul's picked, picked this specifically because they operate, these people in the church operate sort of like the mind in a body, the mouth, or the arms. There's just something unique in preserving truth. We'll see it in the text of why he ends up, what it seems like, elevating these gifts to a certain degree. First one, let's go through this, apostles. The Greek word for apostle that Paul uses means ambassador or messenger. So theologians point out that in the scriptures, as you read your Bible, you read apostles. Can you still hear me? Okay. As you read through and you hear apostles, there'll be two things, two criteria that you end up seeing that the early church apostles did. They saw the risen Christ. So theologians will say, if you are a modern day apostle, you have to see the risen Christ. Number two is you have to be commissioned by God for an assignment to do something. Those are the two things. And I think that's a really helpful grid to see what a modern day apostle is or who that is. Because if we just went by messenger and ambassador, then some people would, which is perfectly fine, we don't adopt. Everyone's an apostle, right? Because everyone's a messenger and an ambassador. But with a little bit more context, I just have a couple questions with those grid, because I like the grid. The first one is, to what degree does a person have to see Jesus in order to be an apostle? What degree? Because the apostle Paul who's writing this, he's arguing throughout the letters, right? He's arguing throughout the letters that he is an apostle. But he saw the risen Jesus through a vision so unordinary that it knocked him down. And he communicated, he heard from Jesus directly. But then the other original 12 apostles or the other 11, those ones, they were walking through earthly ministry with Jesus. So my question is, to what degree does someone have to see the risen Christ to be an apostle? And so in my opinion, after studying, I think the criteria of seeing Jesus to be an apostle is very flexible. It could be dreams, visions, so on and so forth. 
whatever that looks like, seeing Jesus, I think is a little bit open to an experience. Number two is what does it look like to receive an assignment from the Holy Spirit? So if you go back to when the church began in Acts, Acts chapter 13, the apostle Paul and Barnabas hear from the Holy Spirit, they get an assignment, and it's interesting. They're called the Church of Antioch. If you look back in 13, and it says, in the Church of Antioch, there were evangelists and teachers. Name, name, name here. Boom. Paul and Barnabas are described as evangelists and teachers. And then this happens. Check it out with me. Chapter 13. One day as these men, the teachers and evangelists, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So more fasting and prayer were had. Men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. After that, after they heard from the Spirit, the very next chapter, 14, Luke, the writer of Acts, actually gives them the title apostles. It it took them being assigned uh, church planting, which was exactly what they did. They took the gospel to new places and planted churches. So the text doesn't clarify whether the Holy Spirit said it audibly or said it in their thought life. And it's interesting because if you go through from Genesis to the very end and you read in context, at each context, you actually have to discern how did God speak to people? When I first got born again and I would read through the Old Testament, I'm like, it was all audible in my mind. But as you look through it and you look in each situation, especially through the book of Acts and how Paul writes in his letters, I just, it doesn't clarify exactly if it's audible or if it's on the thought life or it's through people. Each context is different. So I say all those things because in my opinion, the Holy Spirit can talk to a person any which way he wants. A lot of us hear the Holy Spirit through our thought life and we just don't recognize him. But if he's pointing you towards something that will honor God, you better believe it does not come from your old nature. That comes from the Holy Spirit of God. So in thought life, for instance, the Holy Spirit ended up assigning me church planting three years ago. And it, this is how ordinary but kind of extraordinary it was. I, I woke up late for church and I missed church. Forgive me. Okay, that was three years ago. <laughs> Danny took the kids. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading my Bible in John 10. And to make it short, the Holy Spirit through the scripture says, I'm going to take care of your family. Okay, cool. Danny comes back, and in a loving rebuke, she ends up letting me know, you're done being retired and in the household. You need to go get a job. In a very loving way. In a very loving way. And then the third thing happened, and this is where the Holy Spirit just gave me interpretation of everything that the Bible study needed to become a church, is a guy who comes up to me, and he says, and I haven't talked to him the whole night. We went to this gala, and he says, hey, I feel like God's telling me to tell you to walk through the open door. Boom, everything made sense, and I realized what was next. So it was through the thought life, through people, God gave me the assignment of starting this church with with you all, with majority of you all, and that's how it came about in what seems like ordinary means. So here's my conclusions on apostleship. We have the definition being ambassador and messenger, and we also have some criteria to give us context, and this is it. An apostle is a messenger, given an assignment from God to start a new ministry, bottom shelf. In other words, for those of you who read the NLT, apostles start new stuff. Apostles start new ministries. And so whether it's new churches, new Bible studies within your workplace or neighborhood, 
apostolic giftings are to start new ministries to advance the kingdom of God in networks, neighborhoods, and within the church. So I got born again in part because of the chaplain's apostolic gifting back in 2007. So I'm a California kid. I move over here to play ball, and I get born again. And this guy, the team chaplain, Matthew Penland, leads me through Romans Road, talks about my sin. I repent. I believe the Spirit of God dwells within me, fills me, and now I'm just a new creation. And I thereafter started to ask, how did you become the team chaplain? And he then shared with me, well, I felt uncomfortable within the church. I was working as an associate pastor in Lincoln. So then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go to start a home church. Okay, so he starts a new ministry that I then become a part of in college. And then he said, and then right before you came here, God opened the door to start something that never happened before, and that was the chaplaincy. So he started, God opened doors for Matthew to use an apostolic gifting to get in with the team, and then he ended up leading me to Christ. That's how the apostolic gifting was used through Matthew to end up moving me to Christ. You can backtrack. Some of you who, let's just say, recently got born again within the church or who are growing in your knowledge of Christ— could genuinely point back to an apostolic gifting that was started years ago before you even knew Christ or maybe in days where you were a mature Christian at another church and say, you know what, what I'm experiencing now is in part because apostolic giftings. So I don't want to make uh, my temptation, and I think most any Bible readers to say, apostles for them then fill in the blank, and I'm just trying to make it plain to the church and saying, Apostolic giftings are available to anyone in here. God will give them to you. It's a matter of you don't want to, you won't know until you start asking. Or you won't know until you actually start to ask the Holy Spirit, do I have this already? And at that point, he'll start unlocking those gifts. So within each teaching, I want to give room for you and God to do business and to ask him for each gifting. Because what you're going to see is me explain and then me share a story. So we're going to pause right now, give a moment, go directly to God, do business with him as I pray right now, and we'll wait on the Lord. So God, I'm asking right now for those who are interested in starting new ministries, you know exactly what that looks like in their context. God, I'm asking that you would gift them with the apostolic gifting that you've given those prior generations. God, that they would end up seeing fruit and taking steps of faith. Without faith, without love, none of this is going to end up profiting them or anyone who would end up saying yes to what they're starting. God, we're a product of apostolic giftings. This church tracks back all the way to the first century and the scriptures. And we thank you, God, for your apostles. Raise up apostles in here today. Those who are hungry, God, would you put it on their mind constantly? Give them faith and courage that's necessary to start a new ministry, whether it's connected to City Light Bennington or not, Jesus. We desire for your kingdom to advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Prophets, prophets, prophets is a born-again believer who has the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is a human report of spontaneous divine revelation. A human report, here we go, of spontaneous divine revelation. In other words, prophecy is a gift given to someone to tell others about the future, to make it very bottom shelf. 
So three years ago, just to bring this to life, three years ago, me, Danny, were at City Light Council Bluffs, and uh, Glenn had just said yes to starting the, the church with the Bible study core team. And so we're sitting there, and they, they trained up a group of people interested in blessing the church with prophecy. They get up there, and you could see, this was like their first shot of getting before the church and being like, this is what I sense the Spirit saying to you. Okay, you, if you would imagine that, super exciting. So I'm sitting there. She looks over to us halfway through. She's on the platform like this, looks over at me and Danny, and she says, the Lord hears you. He hears your prayer. It will happen, but it will take time. And right then and there, I knew exactly what she was talking about. The Holy Spirit gave me interpretation and application of this. She didn't know that I was concerned about the vision that God put in me, that in a spiritually dry northwest area that is more focused on the seen than on the unseen, that God was going to plant a church that was more focused on the unseen than the seen, a spirit-filled church. Amen? I'm literally like, how's this going to happen? I remember sitting on my back patio, sharing with one of the Bible study group members, and he was like, and he's a former church planner, and he's like, I don't know how that's going to happen, bro. I don't even, how's that going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to pray. So I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing, and I took it as, it's going to happen. God hears me, and it's going to happen in his timing. So since then, by God's grace, we have seen spiritual gifts as we've taught on them from the pulpit, and as we've encouraged them through the prayer huddle out here or through intercessory prayer huddles on Wednesdays and other groups that we facilitate, we've just seen the Holy Spirit end up building other people up through multiple varieties of spiritual gifts. Earlier uh, last week, was it two weeks ago, KJ shared earlier that a person in the congregation got healed of spine issues on the spot, a miraculous healing. Interestingly enough, the woman who prayed for her a few months ago, came up to Pastor KJ and said, I want to see the miraculous happen. We are so hungry. Boom! Opportunity comes up, Holy Spirit punts it out of the stadium. And Yeah, give God praise. I'm like, these are things that I, like seriously, sitting on the back patio and like leading majority of people who were not Christian four years ago to become Christian and then to become a spirit-filled people, mature in Christ. I'm like, only God can do this. And we're just scratching the surface. We've seen demons casted out, demonic influences casted out who've been tormenting believers within the congregation. Literally things that if you were in there, it was so ordinary to see them cast out, but it was so extraordinary in faith, the things that happened there. And it was so amazing to see the proof in the pudding being like, that person's walking free now. It's been amazing. So we've also seen, as soon as last week, one of the sisters in here came up to me after the 9 a.m. prayer for serving teams, she says, I use the spiritual gift of tongues, of languages, for the very first time. And so God is continuing to bring freedom and a desire for people to pursue God and his giftings to build up other people. It's all to just brag on God. In other words, the prophecy is being fulfilled and we're just in the beginning of it. So you don't end up running your life based off of a prophecy, but I will say, in the times, in the past year and a half, where I have been like, okay, I preach every other week, like, what else are we doing to see the gifts flow? Oh my goodness, this sermon series, how is that going to end up really encouraging the saints to serve one another? 
as we continue, and by the way, I'm a part of like choosing those things. <laughs> I've admittedly, inconsistently though, been frustrated and saying, God, when's this gonna happen? I go to the overseers of the church and I'm like, let's do this. And they're like, brother, let's, let's progress in a healthy way. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. And I'm reminded in those moments of frustration that it will happen, it is happening, but it's going to take time. And that's the gift of prophecy and the benefit of how it builds up the church. I could share with you literally how every other week, the more, I'll, I'll share this little tidbit. The more hungry you are, just like the scriptures say, the more God is going to feed you. So the Psalms talk about how God's eyes look to and fro across the earth, looking to strengthen those who are surrendered to him. He's looking for those who are hungry to serve other people, and he's ready to be like, I'm going to give you this gift to serve someone else. And so as time has gone on, I'm reading guys like Jack Deere. I'm reading guys like Sam Storms nowadays. And I'm like, these guys see God in friendship, and they just keep asking and asking and asking. And they, they're these brilliant teachers, but they're like, you would think they, if you come from a church background, you would think they're Pentecostal, super emotional but they have those experiences because they see friendship with God first. And they're asking and asking, God, surprise me. Jack Deere, a former pastor and now theologian, used to be a Dallas Theological Seminary professor. His prayer is, surprise me, Holy Spirit. Surprise me. And I'm like, on my best days, I'll pray that prayer. <laughs> on my worst days, I'm like, God, what's going on with the NBA Finals? <laughs> 6 a.m. <laughs> just going through. Just going through. I'll be the only honest one. Okay. So want to take time, time to pause, pray, and ask the Father who gives good gifts. God, for you know exactly whose heart's desire to be prophetic, to be an intimate of yours, a friend of yours, where you're downloading and you can entrust them with words to share with other people that would build them up, that would foretell the future, that would encourage, that would create moments where whoever's receiving them would look back and be like, oh my goodness, God is real. Not just in my head, but in my heart. God, pour out your gifts of prophecy. Like you have in Pentecost, God, pour them out without measure to those you trust, to those who are hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Evangelist. An evangelist is a born-again believer who has the gift of evangelism, which is sharing Jesus with those who do not know him. So those who are gifted in this, they're usually in the workplace thinking. It's like opportunities just keep continuing to come up. Like you're thinking, how can I turn this conversation into something that has to do with God's existence? And then move it from there to be like, where are you in life? That's the mind of an evangelist. And their gifts that are given at certain times, it, it may not be your always your mode of operation, but you see that somewhat regularly within your life. An evangelist, a lot of times, is willing to be uncomfortable with strangers and share and say the name of Jesus for the sake of Jesus and that person's soul. So that's a little bit of what it looks like for those who are gifted in evangelism. I've experienced the gifts of evangelism in different settings. I actually thought I wasn't going to be a shepherd teacher of a flock because my primary use in the body before, you know, we started this church was evangelism. I uh, remember distinctly one time going up to a neighbor's house 
And as I'm going up, I have this track called Step Up to Life. And I think I had just read through it and I'm full of faith. I walk up there and I've had multiple, time, multiple conversations about Jesus with my neighbor. I walk up there, I lay the track down. They're like, What's, what are you reading? And boom, it was, it was like hard to stop the overflow of what was happening. And I shared Jesus in a way that was, um, it was just so natural. And you could see just like all these gifts, you'll see people being blessed, right? If someone doesn't have a, a teaching gift, you won't see them be as blessed, right? If evangelism is a gift from someone, you'll see a little bit of, oh, okay. So I put the ball in their court and you could see there was conviction on their heart and they're like, I feel like we're not quite like where we need to repent. But in it all, it got them to a place of honesty. That's the gift of evangelism. If you want to see the church grow, if you want to see seats in here fill with new faces, the gift of evangelism is something that is commendable to ask for. And to be honest, we're called to be evangelists anyway, to do the, do the work of an evangelist. But I'd rather do something with a gifting, you know what I'm saying? It's that much more enjoyable and there will be that much more fruit. So we want to pray in this time that God would that much more give us desires for the gifts of evangelism. So Father, I thank you so much for your gifts of evangel evangelism. Would you pour them out now on those who desire who desired, gosh, I just think so many people in the room right now are thinking they have to know more, know more, know more. And God, I'm asking that you would equip them with the gift before they would be equipped with the knowledge to share, um, with alpha, with step up to life, other forms. Give them the gift and the desire, God, to take the gospel outside of Sundays and to reach their neighbors and to reach those who they work alongside. Each person that we know that has not bowed the knee to you is going to experience what we were going to experience, and that is eternal separation from you. Help us keep that in mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastors, teachers. The Greek word Paul uses for pastor actually means shepherd. So you're going to hear me say shepherd instead of pastor. I prefer shepherd, and you'll see other translations that you shepherd. Because it actually clarifies what a pastor does. Uh, a shepherd is someone who's gift with the spiritual gift of shepherding. And that's to take care of a group of people. It may be spiritually, it may be emotionally, it may be physically. And regardless of our traditions, spiritual gifts, all of them are given to both male and female. So there are women in here, mothers in here, who have the gift of shepherding. There are women in here, whether you've exercised this gift or not, you can even look outside of this church and you'll see there are women who are gifted for specific ministries within the church. The reason you don't see at CLB a female come up here and teach, although they may have a teaching spiritual gift, is because we see that this on stage is the most visible thing that we could do at CLB for leadership. And that's designated to overseers. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus, and you'll see that it's specifically designated for men. That's why you end up seeing males up here teaching the word of God. My mother, bless her heart, I said it like she passed. She's just amazing. She's not. She has an amazing shepherding gift. So in 2005, she gets born again. I'm a sophomore in high school. 
And immediately, it just came natural to her. She gets all of her non-Christian family, including myself, and she's like, I want to care for our family. So every Friday, she sets up, and at that time, I was the oldest in the household, and we had my sister who was uh, local at college. Every Friday, she started getting us together at night, and she made us sit in a circle, and she made us tell everyone the highlight of the week and the low light of the week. And it's so memorable because it was astonishing to me. It was the first time I had seen my mom as a born-again person do something that was, like, very different. And that ended up profiting all of our family when I was growing up. That was the shepherding gift that she exercised. And that's not it. Teachers also, you'll see here, are a spiritual gift as well. And they have a role to play within the church. Teachers are those who have the teaching gift. And the teaching gift is just to teach the Bible in an understandable way. That a person has to be able to teach. The Greek word that Paul uses here is actually a hyphenated word. So when you read it in the Greek text, it actually says shepherd hyphen teacher. And what he was trying to communicate is that caring for people and teaching people are inseparable. As they say it in Mexico, because I was there last week, inseparable. If you're a Spanish speaker, I'm sorry, I don't think that was inseparable. (laughs) Y'all can't let me get a week off and go to Mexico. So for an example, my mom, shepherd, shepherd, she ended up teaching us after she heard all of what we had to say, she would respond with teaching biblical principles. We had no clue, but she was teaching us the word of God in response to how our week went. And you'll see as a shepherd and as a teacher, if you're gifted in those ways, you're going to lean a little bit more towards one another, but ultimately it's all to accomplish caring for people. So my mom, as an example, is a shepherd. She wants to get everyone in that circle, and she wants to care for people, and she's going to use teaching as a secondary tool to care for people. My father-in-law, on the other hand, he is a gifted teacher, and he uses teaching as the primary tool to take care of people. I remember meeting my father-in-law in 2010, and I was still playing ball as a senior in Nebraska, And uh, I walked away, well, I sat there just mesmerized. Just the word of God was coming out of his mouth and he was explaining it. And in wisdom, he was applying it to me as a young man and going towards the NFL draft. And I was mesmerized. I walked away and I was like, and this is honestly, this is sometimes this is just what you need. You need a model of a humble person exercising these gifts. And you will freaking be like, I want that God. And I saw that in that man. And I still see it in him. I walked away saying, God, give me that gift. I want to bless people in that way. And since then, God's continued to allow me to see him. And I realized that just like every other gift, if you want to grow something, you got to exercise it and you got to use it. Just like you want to get buff in the gym, you got to do some lifting. You want, to get, you want your lungs to get fit, you got to do some running. And so I would see him over the first couple years I was around. He would wake up before the rest of his family, and the light would still be on, and he'd be reading his Bible. And then I would look, and he would be, you know, the next day memorizing something. And then, and then I would see him studying for something. And he just kept getting opportunities for teaching within the local church. So it's not just that you want these gifts, 
but that there's going to be that much more work thereafter to continue to grow in your gifting, as the scriptures said. I saw how this gift of teaching ended up forming his daughters and his sons. And they hold highly the word of God, and they're not easily tricked by the culture and the lies from culture. They're very resolute in the truth. And that's what we need in this church. We need shepherds to care for people emotionally. We need teachers to care for each other intellectually, to build up the body simultaneously. So let's go ahead and pray for that. Father, I thank you so much for your gifts to the church and shepherds and teachers. Would you end up pouring those gifts out to those who desire them? God, we, we know that to desire gifts or to honor you, keep our heart motives pure. We trust in you. We know the risk of what this looks like when we ask you for things. But in that, God, we just desire for our households that much more to know the knowledge of God. We desire that much more for uh, children to grow up in emotionally healthy um, situations within their household, God. And we know that comes with a lot of shepherding people and a lot of teachers throughout the church. God, thank you for all these babies that are reminding me right now of the newness of life. God, in a, in a new way, would you end up giving the people in this church gifts that they would be infant in, new to them, so excited about, and would you grow them, God, as we see adults here? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so all these gifts are given to the church, and those who have them have a responsibility. Look with me in verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are a gift because they teach other people to exercise the gift that they possess. That's one part of how they equip the church. So apostles equip apostles, prophets equip a prophet, teachers equip teachers. I remember when I was in my internship, I had two pastors who taught me how to exposit a text so that I would not by day one make everyone in here frustrated because I didn't know how to read my Bible or teach. That's a part of developing as a church is those who are gifted in those areas start to pray and have eye, and mature in them, have eyes for them, for others who are growing in it, and start to fan into flame that gift. Um, really, we're working right now as a church and on staff at the right time to just unfold to the church and say, here is what the gifting classes are. This is what it'll look like. We want to give room for those. And we know it just takes timing with us and development. But I gave it a shot last fall. I'm sitting down with uh, one of the congregation here. And uh, it was Wednesday morning. And we were done praying. And it was about 6.30. And we go usually until 7. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, do you want to just wait on the Lord and see and ask him if he has words to give one another? And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I was like, let's go 10 minutes. That sounds good. That sounds good. So 10 minutes go by, and then uh, <laughs> I was so embarrassed to share this with him. I was so embarrassed. I sit down, and I'm like, you go first. He shares the word. I was like, ooh, that hit the spot. Like, that was a really good word. I, this is how it applies. And then I share with him. And in, in uh, prophecy, there's the what, which is the revelation that's infallible. So it's the what. And then it's made up of two other parts, interpretation of what it means and then application of what to do with it. And all I got was the what. And I say to him, 
I think the spirit told me clam chowder. <laughs> That's how you grow in gifts, though. You got to make room to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, ooh, I was hungry for it. No, that's not what it was, Woody. We have no um, interpretation of it and no application, and time will tell over time, right? But he, out of everything I could have said, and embarrassing as it was, he ended up saying, well, the connection, the only connection, after he laughed, was I'm from New England, and so is my bride. And then he was like, I hope God's not calling us back there. I'm like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you I heard clam chowder. But I walked away. The purpose is I just walked away like out of everything I could have heard, I was not embarrassed. And there's embarrassment involved, right? I took a risk. It's a faith risk. But God honored it in terms of me as an infant being like I got up, I tried to walk, I stumbled, and yet still there was something in it for me to be encouraged. Like I could have said California, the greatest state ever, but I didn't. I happen to say clam chowder, New England region. We'll see how that plays out. All of these gifts, all of these gifts are, all of, these who, all of those who are um, gifted in this way are meant to equip the church. And here's uniquely, lastly, of what it looks like. Uh, verse 12 and verse 14. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching, and we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. The five gifts given to the church through these types of people are like parents. In one way, it's nurturing. Like a parent would nurture a gifting within their children and fanning that, that into flame, so are the, gift, the five gifts supposed to fan into flame those who they see have the same gifts and want to encourage them and nurture those gifts into maturity. And also, just like a parent, there's protection involved. Look at this. We will no longer. We won't be tossed. We will not be influenced. Parents protect what their children actually believe, what they hear and what they actually believe. And in a similar way, these types of gifts and gifted people are intended to protect the church and what to believe, what is true, and what is false. And all these rules at the end of the day are meant for this church to become more and more like Jesus. Look with me, verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of, say it with me, church, love. Paul gives three warnings within this, and if we lack these gifts within the church and these gifted people, the three warnings are this. CLB will be stunted, and your households will be stunted in every way of becoming more and more like Jesus. Number two, we're going to be unhealthy, and the last one is we're going to lack love. Why? Because Paul intended for the church of God to be full of different body parts that serve one another in which God makes everything work together. So the desire to be gifted in these five ways is honestly a desire to be like Christ. Jesus was the greatest prophet. Jesus was the 
greatest apostle. Jesus was the greatest shepherd. He was the greatest teacher. And he was the greatest evangelist. So the desire to be these things is a desire to be a certain part of who Jesus is. The church, your households, our area, let's be honest, as time continues to go and move forward, we're getting closer that much more to the end times. We need prophets within the church. We need people to discern what is true, what is false, the timing of certain things. We need within households and within this church, people to start new ministries so that the lost would be blessed. We need teachers to end up teaching the Bible. Because guess what? Not every pulpit teaches the Bible. There are future church planters, I think, in here who we desire, envision to send out. And guess what? You got to know your Bible. We want to replicate a spirit-filled and Jesus-centered church, and that needs to be operative with all of the gifts. Amen? Amen. That is what God desires of this church. We don't just need more, but we need more people in this room willing to discover what that looks like. So for those who don't know any of these gifts, continue to ask. 1 Corinthians 12 reads, Apostle Paul writing here, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown languages, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do all of us have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. Of course not. But guess what? He flips it around and says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I ask you to give wisdom and discernment to your people here this morning on what would be the most helpful gifts, what they would be within the five roles of the church. Give everyone not just a hunger, but a discernment and help them be famished that much more to receive what you have for them and to build others up. There's nothing like being used in an awesome capacity, however you fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.